The Heat were scheduled to play in Toronto on Wednesday night, but unfortunately, the team didn't show up until the second half of the game. A lopsided loss, despite a brief comeback that ultimately fell well short. We break down the loss, why it's not really a cause for concern, and answer your questions about possible changes to the rotation and much more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucaneat.com. And joining me as always, longtime NBA reporter, David Ramil. Everybody tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Recording this on a Wednesday night after the Heat got blown out by the Raptors, 121-97 to in Toronto. The Heat get to the halfway point of the season at 24-17. and They're a game behind the Cavs for the number four seed in the East. I want to zoom out and talk about Miami's biggest issue going into the second half of the season in a little bit. Uh, but first, a reminder to our listeners, if you didn't check it out already, we had Yahoo Sports NBA insider Jake Fisher on the show on Wednesday afternoon to talk about all the latest trade deadline stuff uh, regarding the Miami Heat, Terry Rozier, DeJounte Murray, P.J. Tucker, you know, Kyle Lowry, all the, everything and all the balls that are up in the air. We talked about everything. So if you haven't gotten a chance to, to listen or to watch that, uh, make sure you go check that out after this one. But I want to start with this game, David. It was a weird game, okay. and it was the first one of these of this season. And what I mean by that is, and I told this to you the other day, and I can't remember, I think it was maybe before the Charlotte game. Hmm. And I said, you know what the Heat have not had all year was the game where they just showed up, where the game started and they didn't show up. A game where they just bleeped the bed. They didn't have that yet this year. They don't have a bad loss, really, to like a really bad team on the season. And I'm not even sure Toronto qualifies as a very bad team, although they were obviously without Pascal Siakam, who got traded today. Um, and and uh, uh, Jakob Pertl was out, and we'll talk about all those kinds of things here in a second. But the Heat are all—they are also playing their fifth game in eight days. Uh, and I wondered, like, okay, they're coming off that back-to-back set. Is this sort of like a delayed hangover off of the back-to-back? Because they looked more like they played on the second night of a back-to-back tonight than they did in Brooklyn on Monday night, right? And so I think. I, you kind of hinted at this into the intro and in the episode, but is it is this just sort of one of those games that you crumble up and, and throw in the recycling bin? I mean, I'm kind of choosing to take it that way, to be honest with you, because I don't know how much more you can read into it. It's so atypical of this team, to your point. They haven't really done this much, and while they struggled in the first half against the Brooklyn Nets just a couple of nights ago, that was more related to the fact that they were playing the second night of a back-to-back set, and they looked you know, tired, and they were welcoming Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. back into the lineup. All of their shots were flat to start off with. This just looked like a, a team that didn't care, and that's something that we don't really say often about this Heat team. Right. They might stink. They might shoot badly. They might defend badly. Things happen over the course of an 82-game regular season, but for this Heat team to just say, oh, man, we just don't have it, and we don't really care if we do or not, especially for the first half, they showed that effort in the second half, and you're starting to think, well, this is more akin to what we're used to seeing from this Miami Heat team. But ultimately, did again, they show really that effort? 
the broadcast kept saying like this is more energy i'm like okay well it helps when they miss their first five three-pointers of the second half and yours start going in is that really more effort or is that just the threes going in and i understand maybe it adds a little bit more pep to your step when the three-pointers are finally going in but to your I point part like, of it. yeah but like like it's always it's the first time they looked like they didn't care all right. season and maybe that's a testament to this team caring a whole lot this season and and you know a whole uh, Every team, the other 29 teams have a bunch of games already where they just didn't care. Every fan base can point to these three games. They didn't care in these handful of games. Miami fans can't really do that right now until tonight. Now they can. Um, <laughs> what what struck me as so surprising was maybe it was just not caring or not understanding the assignment either because that's the other great mm-hmm. thing about this Heat team is every night, what, win or lose, they kind of understood what the assignment was. They knew what the prompt was, and they did their best. And tonight they didn't. No Yaka Pirtle, who's their best rim protector, they traded Precious Achua a few weeks ago, so they were without a real center. They were playing Jonte Porter at center, who's barely in the league. Like he's clinging onto a spot in the league, and he's our starting. Dad Young, they I didn't even remember Dad Young. young. <laughs> yeah, he's on the Raptors, uh, and he's playing a lot of minutes because they traded Pascal Siakam, who's also one of their best rim, protect- rim protectors, or was their best rim protector at some point this season before they traded him to the Pacers this afternoon. And so, you know, you're the Miami Heat. You got Jimmy Butler. He's healthy. You got Bam Adebayo. He's healthy. This is easy. The formula here is simple. If you want to talk about easy game plans, the one here was, hey, get to the basket because you're going to be able to all night long. And there were moments in that first quarter or the first half, I should say, where Bam would get the ball and just drive right by whoever was near by him. And I'd say, oh, great. Like, that's what you ought to be doing. Jonte Porter's no match for you. You know, Thad Young Young is no match for you. Go at him. You want to be an all NBA player? You want to be elite? Dominate this game at the basket, not in the paint, not those foul line jumpers and those cutesy little 10-footers, at the basket, dunks, layups, those things. And then he didn't really do it that much. And he passed out of like a – he was matched up on Grady Dick at one point and just passed right out of it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Jimmy Butler did over him, got the ball on a fast break, kind of running a one-on-two, but had the angle, could have gotten to the basket. And if he didn't make the shot, he would have gotten fouled. He would have gotten fouled. And what does he do? He kind of pulls it out kind of just dribbles into lets everybody catch up and they dribble into a half court set, which is not Miami's strong suit all season, let alone this game. And I'm just wondering, like, did they not realize that what, what they're dealing with? Because it felt like they didn't. I can't, I can't think that's a possibility. It just seems so again, a typical of what we're used to from this team. And I don't, I can't explain it. Maybe it was just a combination of things. Maybe they were thrown off being on the other end of a team that just had you know, traded away their best player and was kind of just on the outside looking in. Again, they were on the road for the last two nights. That shouldn't be much of an excuse either. It's not exactly like a long road trip or anything like that. It just felt like a combination of things. And I think, you know, Jimmy returned to the lineup, looked clunky tonight. Uh, you know, it looked okay against the Brooklyn Nets. Not, you know, he was getting a lot of his points from the free throw line. And I found that to be, by the way, as a total aside here, a recent statistics showing that he leads the league in points, his percentage of his points from the free throw line. I think he was at 34% of his points come from the free throw line. That's not at all surprising. If you would have asked me to guess, I would have guessed that, but it's an interesting stat. That he was number one. Like, I mean, I mean, I complained about Joel Embiid who obviously flops significantly more than uh, Jimmy Butler. And yet I would not have guessed that Jimmy's percentage of points so largely come from the free throw line. But anyway, that's a whole other point. Uh, he wasn't looking for contact at one point. Even early in the game, they were down, like I want to say, five, maybe eight zero to the Raptors. And he gets the ball along the baseline, wide open, and then he waits, waits for Kyle to get open from the corner for the three point. He dumps off a pass to him, and then Kyle misses the shot completely. 
the defense had started to collapse and close out on Kyle too. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is this game where they, they just don't have it or they just don't care or a combination of those things. I don't know. I, I don't want to put the blame on Jimmy Butler necessarily, but I think some of that, it's only the regular season attitude may mm. rub off to some extent there because they just, again, they just did not seem like they were interested in the assignment, as you put it, and, and capitalizing on a team's weakness and exploiting right. that because that's what this team does. They wait for right. you to mess up, and then they capitalize on that, and that's how they win games, and that's how they've won games for four yeah. years. Tonight they were just like, oh, we see the weakness. We just don't care. We're not going to do anything about it. And maybe it, that is – maybe it's both things, right? Maybe it's we don't care enough, but also because it's their fifth game in eight nights and it's been a, it's been a tough stretch right. of the schedule. That's crazy. Five games in eight nights. Sure. It does feel like we're doing a recap every night, David. It does, like, you exactly. know, I'm tired. Uh, but the thing <laughs> is, like, it's it's regardless of who's in front of you, whether it's not Jakob Pertl and or Pascal Siakam, and maybe it is just Jonte Porter and Thad Young, it's still hard work to get to the basket. It's still hard work to put your body on the line and get to the foul line and all those things. And maybe this, and maybe exhaustion is just. We were just talking about how it didn't feel like we were getting the dog days of the season, right? And and maybe on January seventeenth we got a dog day. Maybe January seventeenth is the dog day, you know. Hmm. But look, this game did highlight a bigger issue that they do need to fix, especially in the second half. We're going to zoom out. We're going to talk about what that is and how they can fix it next. After this, on Locked On Heat. Today's episode of Locked On Heat. Is brought to you by Prize Picks. Look, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. It's the largest fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easy and exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And it's just you against the numbers. You don't have to worry about battling thousands of other players. You just pick more than or less than the stat projections on two to six players. And you watch the winnings roll in. And basketball season, obviously, in full swing. And with the football playoffs still going on, you can use... Their combo projections now across multiple sports for their specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. You can combine LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made in a reception. That's a great deal. And you want to play alongside some of Price Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill or comedian Andrew Schultz? Well, you can find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Price Picks community each week. It's such a great opportunity. Again, it's just you versus the numbers. And best of all, right now, if you go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA, you can use the code LockdownNBA and you get a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. It's the start of the new year, and every small business owner is probably asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level? In 2024, well, LinkedIn Jobs is the option for you. They know that your success depends on on the team that you surround yourself with, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I know what it's like to hire people for your business. It's tough. You don't want to go through a number of applications. You want to sort them out quickly so you can find that person right away. You don't want to waste time on that. You're ready to bring somebody in right now. Well, LinkedIn is the job board for you. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals and makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So qual- easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have time to, or resources to hire somebody. And thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownNBA. That's linkedin.com 
slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app every day. Or if you haven't checked out our episode with Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, the latest trade deadline intel. Make sure you check that out on YouTube and on your podcast app. Um, all right. So, look. Can, can, can I piggyback on that mentioning of, of Jake Fisher? Because I think a lot of fans are probably curious. Does a game like tonight make a big difference, a little difference, or no difference regarding mm-hmm. Miami's strategy of, uh, on the trade deadline? Like you say, you know, we got blown out by 30-something points at one point against the, the Raptors. Do we need to make a trade, or does it just not matter? It's like, oh, we're, we're simply just going to be a team that – has bad nights and we're not going to be good enough. And that's just all there is to it. I don't know that it makes a big difference because, and this, it actually leads into what I want to talk about. I think that this game highlighted Miami's issues that already existed and that this front office knew it had. Hmm. And if anything, this one just sort of, it didn't prove it, but maybe it just sort of, it was like, it, it was a hammer that just banged the nail a little bit more in. To what to the point that I'm about to make here, I guess. And that's that Miami has an offensive issue. And we have focused so much over the last three games or about the previous to this one. Oh, the Heat, they held their opponents to under 100 points in these last three games. And you and I kind of broke that down. I was like, well, one of them was the Hornets and one of them was Brooklyn. And, you know, it, it wasn't super impressive. One of them was Orlando missing a bunch of uh, players. It wasn't extremely impressive, but it was a step in the right direction nonetheless. And we talked about that. And, but in all that conversation about the defense, what got swept under the rug was the fact that the offense was not scoring a whole lot of points either. And now, including this Toronto game, in three of their last four games, the Heat have failed to crack 100 points. And I would say in today's NBA that that's a problem. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm going on on a limb in saying that. The Heat now are in the bottom 10 in the league in offensive rating. So as that defensive rating has climbed into the top 10, their offensive rating has dropped into the bottom 10. And other than tonight, David, the three-point shooting wasn't the issue. The three-point shooting actually has not been the issue almost all season. This was a team that was second in three-point percentage for most of the season. They have since dropped to fifth, I believe, now after tonight. They'll be fourth or fifth in in overall three-point percentage. But that's still top five in three-point shooting. And that ought to be good enough to be a above-average offense. And guess what? It's not. And that was sort of the thing that you and I talked about even going into the uh, during the preseason was if Miami could be better than what they were last year, which was like 26th or 27th in three-point percentage, and closer to what they were a couple years ago when they were first in three-point percentage, if they could just get back to in the top 10 in three-point percentage, and this team should be about average offensively. That's not been the case. This team has been top five in three-point percentage. They have been elite by every definition in terms of three-point making, and yet they are 20th in offensive rating. The other five teams in the top five in three-point percentage, the Clippers, the Thunder, the Timberwolves, and the Bucks. The Clippers have the sixth best offensive rating in the league. Oklahoma City is fourth in offensive rating. Milwaukee is second in offensive rating. Minnesota is 19th in offensive rating. Just one spot over Miami. But you want to know why Minnesota is 19th? Is because they keep turning the ball over every other possession. That's why they're 19th in offensive rating. Miami's 20th in offensive rating because even though they're elite in three-point percentage, they are over-reliant on mid-range jumpers. They yep. are over-reliant. They, they do not get to the rim basically at all. They create nothing for themselves in transition. 
They're not a great second chance point team. They're not a great offensive rebounding percentage team. It, they live and die by the three-pointer as much as I've ever seen any Miami Heat team live and die by the three-pointer. And yeah, they try to get to the foul line, but it's basically just Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo sometimes. This yep. team lives and dies by the three-point shot. And so it shouldn't be surprising as, what to, as, as to what we saw tonight when those threes weren't going in. They missed their first 10 shots in this game or for whatever it was. But this is a problem because I don't know that this is a strategic issue. I don't think that it's necessarily anything that this team can just fix overnight. I think it's a personnel issue. And that's a worse issue to have when you just don't got the dudes on your roster to get to the basket because that's been the case all season long. They're fifth worst uh, in terms of the two-point field goal percentage yeah, uh, with some really notable teams there, the Trailblazers, the Hornets, the Bulls, and the Grizzlies. What's the percentage overall? Uh, 51, oh, 52% almost, 51 yeah. tonight. It's probably going to drop after tonight's game, obviously. So they get to the line at a pretty good rate. They hit those at a pretty good yeah. rate. Again, the three-point shooting is fine. So they're not finishing at the rim, and they're relying on those mid-range shots too. What, do you know what their percentage might be at the rim? Because I feel like a lot of their problems are finishing poorly. Like Jimmy, not necessarily finishing at a high level. Tyler, Nico, Bam even. Like, I mean, I'll, like obviously a lot of dunks, and the mid-range shot is better than it has been throughout his career, but – just feels like at the rim itself, they're not finishing at a very high level. Do you happen to have that number by any chance? I'm pulling it up now, but I could tell you it's not even the fact that they're not finishing at a high level. It's that they're not even getting there enough. That's right? true. And so it's it, like when you're when you're so reliant on mid-range shots, it's really cool when you shoot 50% from the mid-range. Like everybody wants to be Michael Jordan, but your whole team can't be shooting from the mid-range. Right. And so even if you're 50%, like you need to shoot better at the basket because even 50% is great in the mid range. It's lousy at the rim and they both count for two points. And that's why everybody says that the mid range shot is the most inefficient shot is because it is. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up the, uh, the shooting numbers here for what they do at the rim. So they are their frequency at the rim. According to cleaning the glass. They get to the rim 28.6% of the 28.6% of their shots, rather. 28.6% of their shots come at the basket. That's the third worst in the league. That's behind Golden that Golden State is the worst, which it should not be surprising. Right. Dallas is second worst, which is oh. a little surprising. But I guess when you yeah. think about it, it's really only Kyrie and Luca yeah. and nobody else that really does that. So there's Miami right there um, at the bottom. In terms of accuracy, they are fourth worst. So it's not good either way. It's not good either way. But the only teams shooting worse at the basket are Portland because they have no good players. Chicago because they're the Bulls. The Grizzlies who haven't had their best score for basically the entire season. And John Morant and then just lost Desmond Bain and have been without Marcus Smart and all these other guys. Haven't had Brandon Clark all season either. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's bad. And we could blame it on the injuries if you'd like. But Jimmy Butler was healthy. Bam Adebayo was healthy. Tyler Hero was healthy. They were all healthy tonight. And they just... They didn't want to get to the basket. Maybe it's fatigue or disinterest or whatever it is. But I'm telling you, with or without them, it's been an issue all season long. And so it's a personnel problem. They play offense like they rely on their defense so heavily to be like a top, not even a top 10 defense. Like it has to be even like significantly better than that. And their defense yeah. has not been that. And so I think that's what Minnesota's is, doesn't it? Right. Like yeah. Minnesota, yeah. you have the, literally the best defense in the league in order to have a, a and it, look, they have a winning record. It's not like this team's in the gutter. But Minnesota has the best defense in the league and a 19th worst offense, and they have one of the best records in the NBA. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting because I guess when we lay it out like this, 
I would have said that their defense might have been a bigger issue, but only because, again, I guess I'm historically kind of relied on Miami's defense being such a good one. And when it's not, as it hasn't been for some games this season, it just feels more glaring. But <laughs> I'd love for their offense to be good enough where it doesn't matter if you have some off nights defensively where you can make up for it. But it's just Miami's offense has been so sluggish, so difficult to watch. And again, the three-point shooting is fine. That's not the problem, but yeah. it's just everything else uh, offensively. And, and kind that's of where their defense caps out, right? Like they're, yeah. they they have a great defensive game plans and they're able to lock up in the playoffs and all these things. And I understand that. But even during like the Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo era, like top 10 is kind of where they max out. This is not a top five defensive rating team. They haven't been in during this right. era. They've always been around, you know, five to 12 is sort of where they end up in defensive rating. And, and that's a difference. It's a big difference between literally being the best of the league at something and being top 10, which is only like five spots better than average, which I know I'm, you know, you know, being very over oversimplification here, but I don't know. I just, the other part about your defense is that your defense should fuel your transition attack. And it doesn't like this, like even when they do get a stop, they just sort of walk the ball up, which is why I think Nikola Jovic has been such a refreshing addition to this, to this lineup. But then again, it's like, is the 20 year old, the answer to all your problems. I would sure hope not. I think it's also a missing 22 year old too. I, I, I really think mm -hmm. again, with Jimmy replacing Jaime, you know, and then under the unfortunate injury, him out being out the last two games, like Miami's offense hasn't looked sharp since Hyman went down, really. Uh, you know, in the halfway part of the, that win a couple of nights ago. Um, since then, they just, you know, I'm great. He, he is, yeah. yeah, I know, because he has been willing to push the ball. He drives to the rim at a high level and he finishes at the rim at a high level yeah. or he draws a foul there, too. So yeah, they're missing that spark. I'm glad you brought it up because we have a question about Jaime Hakas in that absence. We also have a question about the starting lineup and whether or not the Heat need to make a change. We talk about all those things after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. They've got great last-minute deals. They're all in prices. They're views from the seat. And their best price guarantee, so you know you're getting the best hey, price David, available. Guess what? What's that? I just used Game Time to buy concert tickets. Oh, it's not until oh. August the show, but oh, okay. uh, yeah, I just uh, Green Day came out. They're on tour. They're again? playing American Idiot. Uh, what do you mean again? I mean, that's it's their job. Like they're they're musicians. <laughs> well, they don't have to tour every year. Not every every band or they're musical actors. They're they are. are. It seems working. like you've been on, following them on tour almost every year. They're not. Uh, this would be my. This would be my sixth time seeing them, I think. Sixth oh, or seventh yeah. time seeing them. So, yeah, rookie, rookie. rookie. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'm the Nikola Jovic of this, this podcast here <laughs> in terms of my concert going. But, yeah, yeah, I was able to do the views from the seat thing. I made fun of you the other day about you always use the views from the seat thing. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should use the views from the seat thing. And they look pretty good, the views. Is it an indoor arena? No, it's uh, so it's going to be in Atlanta. Um, oh. And it's at the baseball. I can't remember what it's called, uh, but they're where well, the Braves County play. Thing. Where the yeah. Braves play, and so it's going to be on the floor, Wait, which I it's guess not Fulton County field. Stadium anymore. It hasn't been that for a while. I no, it starts with a T. It's branded by somebody with a T. It's not oh. Tesla, but it's like something like. That. So either way, Game Time makes it easy, right? Just a few taps. You log in, you create an account, and you use Game Time's app to find exactly what you're looking for. You can get great prices. You know, you might have been able to save money if you had waited till August if tickets were still available. But either way, oh, you know, I get those tickets now, and I got twenty dollars yeah. off. 
There you go. How do you do that? By downloading the Game Time app and create an account and using the code LOCKEDON. That's how you get $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but again, create an account, redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you get $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions on Twitter using that hashtag AskLOHeat. Email lockedonheatgmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Locked On Heat. CJ writes in Is Jaime Jaquez more impactful to the team than we thought? Seems like they're missing his presence offensively and defensively. David, you started talking about this before the break. Yeah, I'm not sure about defensively, although he does bring at least a, a manic energy to it. And I think that's something we didn't see today. Like, I don't think we've ever questioned – we've questioned Jaime's efficiency, and there were – especially earlier on when he was just getting his uh, sea legs out from under him. You know, he, he did not look great, especially as a shooter. But since then, like, he, he has had some incredible performances. He brings that energy. It's enthusiastic. It kind of energizes not just the crowd, but the team itself when he flies in for a transition dunk. Uh, he's constantly cutting. He easy baskets too because you can just dump it to him in a low post. And whether it's a smaller or bigger defender, he's able to use his nifty footwork to get to the to the rim and finish with a, a nice soft jump hook or something like that. So I, they didn't have that. They just didn't have any source of easy offense. Like even when you think of your best players in Tyler or Jimmy or Bam, like everything they do seems like it's much more effort than Jaime is doing. Mm. And maybe that's, you know, that's not discrediting what Jaime does. It's not knocking the other three players, but they just seem like they they milk the clock a lot more in their own respective ways. With Jaime, dump the pass in, let him go to work, and it's been very effective for him and for the Heat. So I, I say that, this they are missing that spark. I think they're also missing their backup big man, Kevin Love, too. Like, we're not talking nearly enough about that, but he might be one of the better backup bigs in the NBA because yeah. his floor spacing, his rebound – the transition game, like if you're worried about the defensive issues, guess what? Off of every Scotty Barnes miss tonight, it would have been an outlet pass from Kevin Love that might have been, you know, leading to a high mid dunk at the other end, and maybe you keep that lead from getting to 34 points at one time. Yeah. You know, so I think that's uh, certainly a big part of it. Hopefully, they'll both be in the lineup on Friday night when they take on the Atlanta Hawks. I think they missed Jaime. I think they missed Kevin Love. Those aren't the reasons they lost this game. Like you don't put. A- Jaime Hakas Jr. in there, and suddenly they win this game, right? He's not the guy leading the charge, and he shouldn't be. That's not his job. He is a rookie. He's not supposed to be. He's on a team with Bam and Jimmy and Tyler and Kyle Lowry and Spo. It's their it's their jobs to lead this team. But, yeah, he's a good player, so I don't really know. Like, do the Heat win this game with Jaime Hakas Jr.? No, they don't win the game with Jaime in this game. But, like, so I don't know. It's possible. I mean, it's possible. Again, but it's that, that, like I, I I find it hard to believe when you're down ten and you can't find any kind of easy source of offense and your defense is flat too and they're hitting shots. Like, give credit to the Toronto Raptors. Like I mean, we sure, haven't I said that at this point. Yeah, I mean, they made twenty three pointers in the game. Good for them. Like, congrats. well, you and I. I mean, I talked. I texted you this during the game. It's like you know, I think we and I probably even the Heat thought this again. No Pirtle. You trade Siakam. You're missing, you know, whatever you get back from the Pacers. You're not sure what's going to happen at this point in the season for Toronto. Are you going to tank or is it, are you just kind of chalking it all up? They came out with a lot of energy for a team that should have, by all rights, just yeah. rolled it, Yeah, yeah, it's the post-trade, post, like, it's the same energy as when you fire your coach, all the players get up and, and, and play. So I get it. Like, credit to Toronto. You won a game at home. Your best player got traded. Like, fine, have fun. But, like, yeah, 
So I don't know. There was a lot, I guess, combating the Heat. And I just, again, this is nothing against Jaime Hawkeyes Jr., but they, the Heat basically lost this game by 30 points. He's not He's not a 30-point difference maker. He's just not. Nobody is. Um, Monkey Magic writes in, hmm. <laughs> should Spo revamp the starting lineup considering the Heat's sluggish starts offensively? Kind of getting back to what we were talking about before. It's not just tonight. It's a chronic problem, what their offense cannot do and cannot accomplish especially early in these games. I know we talk about how much does the starting lineup really matter, the mm. starting lineup versus the closing lineup, and I kind of would like to shoe in the closing lineup here and maybe have a conversation about that while we're at it. But it matters when you kind of get down, when, when you're getting out to slow starts and you're giving up leads early in a lot of these games. You just don't want to be a team that has to play from behind all the yes. time, and it kind of feels like the Heat have been doing that uh, more recently than not, so... I don't know. I think it might be time to, to change up the starting lineup. I just don't really know what the option is, right? I I don't either. And I so that's why I don't think it's a I don't think it's a conversation to be honest with you because I just don't know who you're taking out of that starting lineup. Is it Kyle who's yep. not very productive? Yep. That seems like the most likely choice, but who are you putting in his place? Are you going to start Tyler at the uh you know, Ersatz point guard and then what? Promote Duncan into that starting lineup for the, some three-point shooting? That could work. I would. would lead. I really, I think I would do that. Kyle Lowry took nine shots tonight, and that's a lot for him. Yeah, very much. You know, because they had to start just chucking threes in that third quarter just to try to get back into the game. He took six of them. Guess what? He made none of them. Mm-hmm. I like I like a lot of what Kyle Lowry brings to the table. I think I'd like it better if he came off the bench and did it. Because he could still do those things off the bench, right? And in, in lineups, you could pair him with Jimmy and with Kevin Love in that second unit that works so much. I, I think that would be okay. I just think you need a little bit more juice in that starting lineup. You need guys that can impact to the basket, uh, do stuff in transition, push the tempo. Ooh. Maybe Caleb Martin, you know, starting at the two-guard spot. You have Tyler starting at point guard, and I liked when Tyler was playing point guard against Charlotte the other night. I thought he did some good things. I thought he took the assignment very seriously. I think he's capable of doing that. And by the way, if you've got Tyler, Jimmy, and Bam, I don't know that you need and Nikola Jovic, I suppose, if he's remaining in the starting lineup, you don't really need a traditional point guard because Larry doesn't play traditional point guard all that much anyway. You know, Tyler said it the other night. He kind of handles the ball more than Kyle anyway, even when they're both in the lineup. So I would really start considering taking Kyle out because you just need more juice. And he's just not he's not he's not juicing it for him right now. No, that's fair. I mean, I think that's partly why uh, a lot of fans and you and I have discussed the the idea of making a trade for a point guard or at least a, a ball handler that might be able to put pressure and, and try to juice up that scoring to use your vernacular. And get to the rim, right? Because yes. Kyle Lowry does not get to the rim. He get, takes less than one shot per game at the basket. He had one tonight. Um, that's it. You know, it's you need you just need somebody to juice up the offense a little bit more. And, and I think the Heat know that because it's not just tonight that proved it. It's been basically a season-long problem. Um that I think we have a few weeks to see if they're going to be able to fix it. We have more information on what the Miami Heat's plans are before the trade deadline with our episode with Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. You can check that out on YouTube and your, and, uh, and on your favorite podcast app. But for now, thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your podcast app.